Unless you want to, it's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 391 now of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron, I'm Don, and we're sitting here, yep, you guessed it, right in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on this show, we're going to talk a lot about housing. We're going to talk about a couple moms that got together and said, hey, let's be partners, go buy a house. That's exactly what they did. They didn't say, hey, we're not married, we don't have other men in our lives, so let's not let that hold us back. We're professionals, we got jobs, we got kids, let's go for it. We'll talk about that story. Also, we're going to talk about the five states that we're all moving to and we're leaving. This is kind of interesting. I was kind of shocked by this because we think everybody's leaving California and going to Montana. Is that true? Well, we'll talk about that. Before we get to talk about that, though, we'll talk about this. It seems like tiny houses in the micro housing uh, phenomenon is not something that's here today and gone tomorrow. In fact, if you look in a lot of the backyards here in Seattle, one of the ways the city has gone around a lot of the zoning where we have single family homes, it's a single family home city. Places like Ballard, where they went ahead and changed the zoning, didn't get a lot of pushback in those blue collar neighborhoods because, frankly, there's people that don't have a lot of money in their pocket to take on the city and sue. But on the hill I'm on over here on Queen Anne, where it's almost all single family housing, every time the city steps in and tries to change the zoning here or over Magnolia or make Discovery Park Section 8 housing, here they come. In fact, I have a neighbor that sues the city all the time. And now the neighbor, it's interesting, is getting ready to move away to the east side, uh, even though that he has been the one over the last 25 years. Every time there's been a development, every time they've tried to do some type of zoning change, he is the one that has stepped to the plate and taken on the city. And now he's going to go away. So what they've decided on these single-family homes yeah, we'll let you build a triplex now. That's how the city got around it. That's where the ADUs, the DADUs, the backyard cottages, all that comes into play. And what's really interesting, Ron, and you have a lot of experience in this, I basically built a tiny house in my backyard. It's a rather expensive one that I built, but I built a tiny house in my backyard. I'm using it right now as an Airbnb and a place for my mom to stay when she comes to visit. And people love it. Uh, I ran out my basement that I used to live in. It's called an ADU. Got a Daydu, Dadu in the backyard. And the people that stay down there absolutely love it. What's interesting to me is you will find, and I find this through uh, lots of our clients that come and stay at my Airbnbs, that they are minimalists. They just need their laptop. Uh, they need to get, they need strong Wi-Fi. need very strong Wi-Fi. They need their laptop. Uh, they need a place for their dog because a lot of people got dogs uh, during COVID. So if you're going to run an Airbnb right now and play that game, you have to be animal friendly. I used to not allow dogs or cats in any of my Airbnbs. You wouldn't do any business right now if you didn't allow dogs and cats to come into your Airbnbs. How do you feel about that? Yeah, if you're going to be an Airbnb owner. So with all that said, Ron, you're kind of a tiny house expert. You've had a tiny house for a number of years. What do you think about all these tiny houses going to the backyards here in Seattle? And then also, uh, what's it like to be a tiny house owner uh, up on the river about an hour from here? 
So I'll take issue with one thing you said. I, to me, what you did in your backyard is not a tiny house because it is not on wheels. So when, when I think of the word, and I think when you see headlines about tiny house, I think most people bring up, it's a stick-built mobile home. Uh, it's not the all plastic, whatever. It's a, it's a trailer that you build a living unit on top of, but it uses the same construction materials that you would do in a regular house. That to me is a tiny house. What you built is a detached dwelling unit. So it's got a foundation. You are not able to move that around. It is going to sit where it sits until the end of time. And so that to me is a different thing than when we talk about tiny houses. And, And my biggest regret on the tiny house thing is that I didn't do it sooner. Because I think it's very appealing to me. I had a dream for a long time of having a tiny house. And listen, this is not my primary residence. We've been very fortunate. We did well in radio. Uh, We've done very well in real estate. And so I wanted a place in a very specific location. Uh, The primary reason that people buy tiny houses now, or one of the primary reasons, is to not have a huge mortgage. Um, there are states and places where and like, like my tiny house buying it, uh, I think I bought it for less than 50 grand. And then I've done some upgrades to it. That doesn't include the lot or the land or anything, but just the tiny house itself, you can get them for different sizes. You can get them for 30 grand or 50 grand. Of course, the nicer ones are going to be a hundred grand, 150, 200 and up, but you can get a very comfortable tiny house for, for under 75 grand for sure. Many of them for under $50,000. So the, the primary thing is for people to go, Hey, I've been paying rent for a while. I would like to be able to save some money. I'm going to buy into this, into a tiny house basically see if I can pay it off quickly. And then I don't have to be a slave to the grind anymore. That's one of the primary motivations. And and I, I wish I had done that earlier in life where I could have a place, have it free and clear, sock away some money, gives you flexibility to save, gives you flexibility to travel, gives you flexibility to quite honestly, pick up that trailer and move it somewhere else. Uh, when you change jobs or you just want to live in a different part of America. So um, me, I have decided the one that I have is on the Skycomish River. I wanted a place that I could escape to. Uh, I know that I, I like to be outside in nature. I love being by water. I love making campfires and have, having cookouts and strumming a guitar or listening to music. So having a community around a campfire to me just makes me feel good. And so that's what I did as a dream. It's, it's not you and, and your partner when they heard about it, like, hey, you can rent that out on Airbnb. It's like, I don't want it to be an Airbnb. I want, I want to use it. And I want Don to use it. And I want friends of ours to use it. I don't, I don't want to deal with the thing where I'm an hour 15 minutes away and someone's like, the water doesn't work. It's like, I'm not driving out there because the water doesn't work. Uh, I I want people that have a little bit of mechanical know-how to say, hey, Don, it's going to be funky. Here's how the water works. Here's how the power works. Here's how the septic works. Um, And you're glamping. It's it's not a five-star resort. And so... I could rent it. There's a place right down the river from me that has amazing A-frame tiny houses that makes bank and they're all over Instagram and they get written up in magazines and all this stuff. 
maybe someday, but right now I just want that. That's it's my place. I give it out to friends for free. I don't charge them to, to use it. And it's just like, go have fun, be in nature, sit by the river, make a, you know, roast some marshmallows with your kid over the fire. And that, that gives me a sense of satisfaction. Yeah. People talk about passive income and whether it be a tiny house, backyard cottage, ADU, like I was talking about. And for the first time I grabbed my son yesterday and I said, Hey, you get to go do with me, uh, what I do every single week. And he's like, what's that? And, and, there's been times and places and spaces where he'll go by and he'll help me do a yard here and there, but I manage all my own properties. So I don't have a property manager. My partner has a property manager. I don't, I don't. So I manage them. And then I man the, the, the partner that I have, the properties that we own together, I manage those properties as well. And that means not only taking care of the yard, but like last weekend, a furnace went out, a panel went out, uh, garbage was overflowing. I had a garbage man at one of my places that would not pick up the garbage because it wasn't sorted properly. And it's like, dude, I can't go to this rental where there's three doors and, and sort the garbage for you every week. And then I had to let him know. I said, hey, I showed him the article uh, in the Seattle Times where the city of Seattle lost because they were going through people's garbage. And I said, stay the F out of my garbage. Uh, we're doing our best to recycle. Take that from garbage out. Uh Cause he was just leaving it and they were charging me for it. I was on my bit and they, he was just, he would drive by his truck in the alley cause, cause it wasn't sorted well enough for him. So my son got to go on all the garbage runs that I do. Uh, cause I have to visit the different houses and properties and the, and people create, especially when they're on vacation, they create a lot of garbage. So yesterday he did not like going and sorting the cans from the coffee grounds, from the pizza boxes, in the Uber Eats boxes and all that. And then we had to go after that and do some yards. And he's like, wow. I said, see, passive income isn't really passive. People think it's always passive. It's never passive. There is always work to do. There's always leases to sign. I was just sitting here right now and, and I have someone that stayed at one of my cottages and they can't find their mail. And they think the mail is in the other house. And so she's at work and you saw me uh, talking to Car Carlin and trying to work through that. So, so, if you're going to own property, you either have to hire someone to deal with these headaches and it's very expensive or initially you're going to have to deal with those headaches yourself. And when you hear this mailbox money, passive income thing, it's just not true. And, and even with your tiny house, it's not passive. It's like you're up there doing great work all the time. But the cool thing is, I think it's work that that you enjoy. At least you seem to. You seem to enjoy it. I enjoy it 90% of the time. What I don't enjoy is, A, I always buy the wrong size part. Yeah. And I'm 45 minutes away from Lowe's. Yeah. And so I get up there every single time. It's like I, I'm fixing a PEX water heater thing right now. I was 100% sure when I'm standing in the aisle at Lowe's, I'm like, I know I know it's the three quarter inch. It's absolutely, I, I would bet a hundred dollars that it's the three quarter inch. So I buy my two parts at three quarter, drive all the way up there, get everything done. I'm ready to make the repair. I cut the pecs, take out the part, and it's the half inch. <laughs> Yeah. What do you? Why did I not buy the half inch and the three quarter? Because now I'm 45 minutes away each way to get to back to yeah, the. Yeah. So you're building store. a deck, and then what was that silly little tent you were you were standing under? Well, the last time I had to make cement footings for the first part of the deck, I once you start making, you know this. Once you start with the cement, you can't stop. You can't stop because it is wet even, cement, even, even in the rain. If man. you want to, so I started the cement project. A downpour happened, and I was out there just getting drenched. 
and I couldn't stop until I got all of the footings put in. And so uh, immediately when I got home from that trip, it was miserable. I went out and I bought one of those event tents that you would get, you know, when you're <laughs> at your kid's fair. An, an event for one. And, and it, you know, the, it pulls out in like you were at the farmer's market. Yeah. Like one of those tents. So I bought one of those tents and I have it. And so I was out there. I had three more footings to go so I can finish up the deck project. And it started raining and I was like, I got my tent. So I set up the tent. You sort of have to shimmy it around. So it's above where I was working, but I was high and dry. got my three new footings in and uh, ready to start with the deck phase. Number two. Yeah. That's so cool. Hey, you guys, uh, let's talk more about uh, housing on the other side. Hey, you guys, can you believe this? We've been working with Les Schwab for the past 12 years, but Les Schwab has been around for 70 years now, right here in the great Pacific Northwest. In fact, they're celebrating with your chance to win a $700 prize certificate. That's pretty amazing. And all you have to do is share your Les Schwab story if you want to enter to win. And to do that, Ron, all you have to do is go to LesSchwab.com. I know that I have stories. You have stories. Mine involves a giant nail in my tire, and they fixed it for free. You can go to LesSchwab.com, tell your story, win that $700 prize. And while you're there, schedule a free pre-trip safety check right online. They will look at your wheels, alignment, brakes, shots, shocks, and struts, all for free. You can schedule yours at LesSchwab.com or just stop by and tell them Ron and Don sent you. That is Les. Schwab tires. We've been doing the right thing since 1952. I would definitely recommend working with Ron and Don. Completely satisfied. 100% guaranteed. (laughs) (laughs) If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. Hi, I'm Ollie. Hi, I'm Emmy. We are Team Greenland, and we sat down down with Ron Ron and Don. Don. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, we talked about pricing. We talked about staging. We talked about location, about what the market was like. He gave us so much information. We would have a game plan and there'd be a team helping us and we went Mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks to Ron and Don, we got the house of our dreams under asking price, which just does not happen in this market. And we could not be happier. And we wouldn't have been able to be where we're at in terms of buying and renovating a house without his expertise and support. Uh, We got an offer, I think day one, that was twenty-five to 50,000 over asking. I'm like telling my wife, don't you think we should take this? And she's like, no, we're sticking to this. We're going to wait till that offer review review date, like Ron and Don said, waited till offer review date. And we have like seven or eight more offers and an offer a hundred thousand over asking. With Ron and Don, you get two great minds that perfectly complement each other. You get the data and analytics, you get the creativity, the drive, and the energy. They are, they are the complete package. If someone asked me, in fact, someone did ask me uh, recently how we sold our house so fast. And I said, well, we had a great realtor team. And that makes all the difference. Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at runanddonsitdown.com. People ask me, how do you put up with these two? My answer, good snacks and video games. 
All right, you guys, welcome back to uh, the Ron and Don Show. We're talking about housing a little bit. I thought this was kind of a cool story. And when I first read this story, I read this story a couple weeks ago. Uh, and our friend Rachel Bell, who still works at the old radio station that we worked at, uh, she was commenting on this. Uh, because there's a lot of people out there that make a significant amount of, money, uh, amount of money. But if you're single, sometimes it's hard to leverage yourself into buying a home, especially in King County now, where a home on average is $1.1 million, you guys. Plus, the cost of money is going up a little bit. And we talked about that, but that may be a good thing because it may slow down. Uh, I don't think housing prices are going to collapse here because there's just not enough housing, especially if you have a house and you're locked into a 2% mortgage. Why would you move now to somewhere where you'd be locked into a 6% mortgage? So I think there'll be even less inventory. Uh, But what's interesting about this, did you read the story about the women that got together and said, you know what, why don't we leverage our friendship and our jobs and our bank accounts, and let's go find a home. I thought, yeah, this, this was, was out of the Washington Post. There was these longtime friends. Both of them were in the same phase in life. They had both recently been divorced. Both of them had two kids, and both of them were like, "I don't like being a renter." So, in the process of the divorce, uh, there wasn't a house to keep, so they were both living in in like apartment type situations. And so they did a weekly Zoom call with each other during the pandemic, which is ironic because I, I have a good friend in, in the Bay Area that I we do almost every week we do a Zoom call together and just uh, check in on each other. We did one last night. And so they were they had this running joke of, hey, we should make a commune is what they they laughingly called it. We'll get a place, all the kids will live together and we have a commune. And so they joked about it enough that a while back there's like what if we did it? So on their Zoom call, one of them shared the screen and they started looking at real estate listings. And then they said, let's get a realtor together. Mm. And it's two women. They're like, we're, we're not, you know, we're not a couple. We're just two friends. And so they they went to a real estate agent. They they don't have Ron and Don in Washington, D.C., so they had to use some, uh, someone else. That's an outrage. They went to uh, a mortgage guy. They don't have Mitch.loans there, so they used someone else. Yeah. And Another they, outrage. they started uh, looking around and touring houses. And they said that at first it still was a joke. It was like, ah, ha, hoo, ha, ha, like this thing. But then they found this house. It was actually uh, kind of a fourplex-ish sort of house. And they thought that they could afford it. They made an offer. It got accepted. Hmm. And so they moved in together. And each of the units has a kitchen in their own bathrooms and everything. But uh, and what they decided, though, is that they were going to be more communal. So they installed this big farmer's table on their porch. They would do meals together. The kids would all uh, share a space together. They would do game nights, etc. And then, as luck would have it, their story sort of got around the neighborhood. Another single mom in a very similar spot reached out and said, can I rent the third unit? And they were like, wow, that's going to be a lot of kids. Because now I have two kids. My partner has two kids. This other person have two kids. And so they met the woman, met the kids, and sort of bonded relatively quickly around their stories. So a third woman moved in. And then the, a, four, a, a friend of theirs heard about this thing. and was like, that actually sounds great. Like you guys share some cooking duties and share some house cleaning duties. Like I would love, like I, I love going out to eat with you guys. It'd be great a couple times a week to have this family meal. So she rented the fourth unit. Wow. So now you have this group of four women. All of them are single. Three of them have children. 
And when they want to, they can shut the door and be in their own private unit with their own kitchen, but they've made it a point to leave some doors open sometimes when they're feeling it and prepare meals together a couple, three or four times a week. And their kids now have someone to talk to. They have someone to talk to. They said for them, it has worked out beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and, and it's a creative way to buy real estate. It's a, and it, it, and it shouldn't be creative. Like, like to me, that should be normal. It, it should just be normal. I, I just, I find as I get older that we have to think differently about things. And I watched a, a woman well into her seventies reminds me of my mom a little bit. And she lived up here on the corner. Her house was too big. She sold it to a builder. The builder tore it down. He's building something, but she moved in across the street into a backyard cottage that my neighbor owns and my neighbor in a, in a will was given the house next door cause she helped take care of this gentleman. And so they have two houses over there, a backyard cottage and the whole family and extended family and everything. They, they all live over there. They have, they have like a, a, a compound and it, and it's pretty cool. And for her, she was so lonely and now she's part of this family. She's part of their meals every once in a while uh, she has this great bond with the dog. She's connected to their dog. So when everybody's working, she's, uh, I see her out power walking with the dog. Um, is I see my mom living alone in a giant house. I just don't think, I, I don't think humans were designed for that. When I look at native American culture, when you grow up in Hispanic culture, uh, and this is growing up in New Mexico around a lot of native Americans and Hispanics. And, uh, it's a beautiful thing. As people get older, they are not thrown uh, into fifty-five plus. And there's nothing wrong with that, but but they aren't they aren't placed basically in an institution because uh, the kids don't want to deal with mom and dad. Uh, they they live with the family the the rest of the way, and they are beloved. The ma- the matriarch of the page, they are beloved. They're respected, uh, and they're considered. Uh, they are elevated in those cultures. And in somewhere in the U.S., we've missed that. As people have gotten older, uh, we don't elevate them, right? We don't. And uh, I love this story. See you on the other side. All right, you guys. A lot of people are switching to Mitch. That's right. Mitch.loans. You know what you find out, though? It's kind of interesting. And this happens to a lot of us. You haven't had your credit pulled in an awful long time. You pull the credit and you find out, hey, there's some things on here that don't belong on here. Hey, before you refinance or before you go after that loan, it's really important to get underwritten first. And then that way, if you get in a competitive real estate deal, you've already dealt with the fact that, you know what, that charge from American Express wasn't your charge. You've already dealt with your credit report. That's why, Mitch, it is so important to get underwritten, right? It gives you a lot of leverage when you get into the real estate deal. It sure is, yeah. And that credit thing is huge because we have people all the time who come and we pull their credit and there's something that they just have no idea about, right? And we have a credit specialist on our team. I've seen most things, but this credit specialist will go in and fix it for you. And it's huge when it comes to buying later down the road. All right, he's Mitch Weeks. He's the official mortgage guy of the Ronadon Nation. You get half a percent off of your mortgage fees when you say, hey, I'm with Ron and Don, and you buy that new house. Go to Mitch.loans right now for more info. That's Mitch. 
loans nmls 169-1573 all right you guys welcome back to uh, the ron and don show we've been talking about housing creative housing before we get out of here and uh, next week uh we're gonna take a little break it's gonna be spring break uh, my son and i are going on a little trip ron has a trip coming up uh my son's turning 12 i'm turning the double nickel I just double my age, and I'm like, okay, 50. Yeah, I could make it to 100. 55. Could I make it to 110? Don't think I want to. Uh, I love my Uncle George's philosophy. He lived to 93, 94. He just said, Donald, when I don't have any more of my teeth, I'm a goner. And uh, he had three teeth left, and he was dead. So it did not. <laughs> he ate soup like the like the rest of the way, the decade of his life. Uh, he, was a, he was a soup eater. So... I'm not eating soup quite yet, uh, but I had a little French onion last night at Betty's on uh, Queen Anne. It was delicious, you guys. Really, really good stuff. Uh, anyway, this is kind of interesting to me. In therapy, something that I have learned is whenever we start talking about something that we believe to be true, uh, Priscilla taught me to look for the evidence, right? To look for the evidence. So, uh, sometimes if I felt like I was not being a present father, or I didn't feel like I was being an authentic human, we would look for the evidence of, yeah, are you effing up as a dad? Are you not showing up for others uh, in your business, uh, in your personal life, as a son, uh, whatever that is? And, and so you look for the evidence. So we would spend a lot of time in therapy looking for the evidence, right? And so, and then, and then sometimes we get in these mental loops. The stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves can be so damning. It's one of the reasons why people commit suicide, sometimes on the basis of something that is not even true, but they start looping on information. And if they were to sit down and really look at it, maybe they would find out and figure out if they look at the evidence that what they're looping on is not true. So let's lighten it up a little bit. Uh, we keep hearing, this is what we hear, that everybody is leaving California. Everybody's leaving California and they're coming to Washington, right? They're leaving California, they're coming to Washington. The reason they're coming to Washington is for the tech jobs and the fact that you don't have to pay state income tax here. So that's why everybody's coming to Washington. We also hear that everybody's going to Florida. One of the reasons they're, they're going to Florida is because they vacationed in Florida when they were young in the Midwest, and they grew up, and they said, hey, I need some sunshine. I'm going to Florida. Plus, people in the Midwest, a lot of times they're Republican, and that's one of the reasons why when you go to the panhandle of Florida, there's lots of Republicans uh, that live there. Also, we hear everybody's leaving California as well, and uh, they're going to Texas. Again, no state income tax there. And especially people that don't have a liberal lean, they are heading to Texas, places like Dallas and Houston and Austin, which you'd be surprised how liberal uh, some of those cities actually are today as uh, they are a bit transformed. And then coming back to Washington, where's everybody going here? Everybody here is going to Montana and they're going to Idaho. I have friends that are cops that are going to Montana, Idaho, Arizona is blowing up right now with a lot of blue collar workers, a lot of cops, firefighters. Uh, people that have lived in the service industry because they're like, I'm going to cash out in the Pacific Northwest and I'm going to go somewhere where my money lasts a lot longer. So I can draw lines and tell you stories just being in the real estate business and game and also just knowing a lot of first responders. I could sit here and make a case for everything I just said is true, but I don't really know that it's true. I only know these stories. Ron, what are we finding out? Is everybody really leaving California? 
and going to Arizona, going to Florida, going to Montana, and going to Idaho? Well, I think we'll, we'll probably get some analysis from the actual census, but this study was done by Atlas Van Lines. And uh, when they would get hired nationwide of where were they getting hired to go from and where were they getting hired to go to. Interesting. And so it's a moving company. They have a pretty large data set, but not it's not everyone. Not everyone uses Atlas fan lines, but it's an interesting analog. So the place where people are moving to, their top five, Maine, huh. is uh, is one of the top five places people are moving to. Interesting. Uh, and they said it's a lower cost of living, tons of nature, and if people are working remotely, they are attracted to Maine. Huh. Num- number two, North Carolina. I This one makes sense to me. Uh, I had never been to North Carolina, and I went there several years ago. Beautiful location, friendly people, great food culture, uh, great proximity to, to the water, to the ocean. You're sort of in the middle of a lot of stuff. So I say North Carolina, number two. Arkansas, which again, I think if you're a West Coast person, what? you have a negative connotation to Arkansas. Wow. Very affordable housing. So if you're here in, in Washington State and you hear of someone, hey, I bought a brand new house for $169,000 and it's bigger than your house in in Washington, yeah, yeah. you can kind of go, what? Say what? Yeah. Google Google mansions in Arkansas. You, it blow you it's away. Incredible. Some of the plantation homes that, that you can buy in the South. They're, they're also incredibly expensive to, to uh, do the upkeep. Same on. thing for Tennessee, which where my sister lives. We were talking the other day. They bought a house where they're when they were just starting out their family. Hmm. It was probably, I would say, around a 3,000 square foot, sort of like a DR Hortons type of home. They paid $249,000 for this house. Really big lot, probably a 15,000 square foot lot on a green belt. They sold it and did some upgrades and sold it like five or six years later because they felt like they didn't have enough room. I think for around 400. Hmm. Where in Seattle, like it, it, it just blows my mind. I was like, you sold that for four hundred grand, <laughs> and so she was remarking on it. It just sold again, and it had doubled in value, still under a million. Yeah. Or anywhere in the sound of this podcast in Seattle or the East Side, there's a lot of people going to Nashville. This would be a one point five to two million dollar house, yeah. and so Tennessee is that same sort of thing. And Smoky Mountains are beautiful, great culture there, music wise. And Utah rounds out the top five. Hmm. Uh, again, for some of the same things we just said, the places people are leaving, according to this Atlas study, New York, which that, that's confirmed by census data as well. New York City, especially, lost the most number of people during the pandemic. Illinois is a place where people are living. Um, leaving and, and a, leaving. Lot of, a lot of that is driven by the fact that, that you have the third largest city in America, right? You have LA. You have New York, LA, and then Chicago is three. You have eight to 12 million people that live there in the outlying areas. And it's amazing when you go there, though. Like, I went for a jog one day. I visited my cousins, and they live in the northern suburbs. You can see these giant homes that you can buy for 119000 Uh My parents sold their house for $34,000 in the 1970s. That house today, it was a track house. Uh, it's still not worth, uh, it is still not worth $100,000. Uh, Waukegan, Illinois, where I was born, my grandparents' house, it's worth about $95,000. Uh, so it, it's been really tough because that was the land of Lincoln. It was the land of pensions. Uh, it was the land of lots of auto work, uh, iron work. And the auto work and iron work and a lot of those blue-collar jobs, factory jobs, those are gone. And as a result of that, in a lot of those neighborhoods, it's been replaced. There's lots of crime there, lots of drug dealing 
And it is rampant and all over the place. One of the reasons you don't see tents there is because you can just live in an abandoned building. Uh, here in Seattle, there are no abandoned buildings because they're all getting torn down. And rounding out the bottom five uh, people leaving Louisiana, New Jersey, and West Virginia, most of their, that are saying uh, just the depression, depressed artificially depressed because of the pandemic and just not a lot of job opportunities. And that's the thing I always say, because you and I have lived in, in uh, Louisiana. And when I hear people bellyache about the Pacific Northwest all the time, it's like, go live in a place that does not have a fortune 100 company. Yeah, not one. And you feel what it's like to live there. It's a different set of problems for sure. But living in a place where you have a bunch of fortune, fortune five companies uh, and a bunch of fortune 10 companies, it's a different set of problems, but I'll take the problems of having too much over the problems of having too little. Yeah, and people always say, hey, what a bunch of dum-dums. Why don't you leave Louisiana? It, when you're in proximity and you realize how poor people are in Louisiana, we helped a woman down there. She's passed away since. Her name was Miss Gibbs. She got wiped out in Katrina. So we went back. We helped build some homes. The Seahawks helped us. We built this home in the Holly Grove, which is a lot rougher, you guys, than the Lower Ninth Ward. All five of her sons, she had pictures of them all on the wall. At various times in their lives, they had all been gunned down. They are all shot dead in the Holly Grove. It is, it is a very, very rough place. Miss Gibbs, who was 92 when I went to visit her at her house, and then we did our radio show on her front porch. Uh, and I said, hey, we're a couple crazy-ass white boys that used to live here. We went through Katrina, too. We're going to come back and help rebuild some homes uh, with an organization called Rebuilding Together in the Seattle Seahawks. We, we would like to come rebuild your house. So we went there. We did that. And what was really interesting to me, Miss Gibbs, she had only been out of Louisiana one time. This is after the floodwaters came, and she had been in her house for almost two weeks. Ron had a neighbor who was one of the last ones saved. He lived in Gentilly. That neighbor had been up in the rafters and on his countertops for 17 days. And Miss Gibbs, uh, she had been there, I think, 13 days. They brought a boat, uh, and they cut their way into her house. They took her out in a boat, and then they took her to Texas. That is the only time that she had ever been out of the state of Louisiana because of the poverty that she lived in. First time she'd ever left the state of Louisiana was at the age of 92. And then she went back to the Holly Grove. We rebuilt that house, and uh, that's where she passed away. That's incredible. And it's not because she didn't like to travel. It's because of the pure poverty in places like that. So I used to say that, what are you doing living in a, in a hurricane alley? And, and then I was living in a hurricane alley. <laughs> so anyway, every place has their promises or, or their problems and their promises. Wait till we have another... Uh, Earthquake here. And then people pay. Watch you buy up all that real estate in the Pacific Northwest. You knew. Uh, what, what voice is that I'm doing right now? I don't know. Huh. Angry, angry. I don't know. It like I should be on a cartoon or something. Uh, anyway. Hey, you guys. Thanks for stopping by. Listen to the show. We're going to take some time off next week. Uh, but you can always reach out to us, uh, can't you? If you're thinking about doing a sit-down, let's do it. Absolutely. You can go to ronadonsitdown.com. You can also email me directly, ron at windermere.com. It all starts with a sit-down. We can get your question answered, see if we make a great team, and then get you next on your real estate journey. Yeah, thanks to Les Schwab for sponsoring today's show. The spring tire sale is on, you guys. Also, if you need a loan, Mitch Not Loans, and if you need us, ronadonsitdown.com. All right?
I'm see you again. I'll be the double nickel. My son will be 12. We're going to go somewhere celebrate our birthdays together. He doesn't know where he's going. I actually hand him three cards. And whatever card he picks, that's where we go. Nice. Yeah. He doesn't, Here we come, Fife. He doesn't know that all three cards have the same destination on it because I don't <laughs> let him open the other two. <laughs> Smart. He's a traveler, though, man. He like he likes travel like Mr. Ron over here. So, uh, so we're gonna go someplace cool. All right, head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time, right here. If you need us, Ronadonsitdown.com. Thanks for letting us be your friends, your broadcasters, and your realtors. This is the Ronadon Show. All day on the Ronadon Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 Only on the Ron Don Radio Network.